Good day, brothers and sisters, and welcome to New Creation Realities. And in, in this class, I, I would like to start a, uh, a new series called In Christ. And uh, we'll be looking at different passages uh, in the scriptures that have the phrase in Christ. And I've kind of got them on the chalkboard behind me, in Christ, uh, in me, where Jesus says in me. Uh, in Him and in whom, all in reference to Christ Himself. Um, of course, if you're looking at the chalkboard, it's in Spanish, but that's okay because I'm interpreting for you or I'm translating it for you. <laughs> and so uh, just just in this series, this is basically the introduction, and uh, I'll just share a little bit uh, concerning the class or the series. And one of the things that I wanted just to share was, and I'm not, and I'm not sure if it's if it's communicated in, in other in the other Bible classes that I do, uh, but mainly I, I like to try to emphasize this uh, at the beginning, at the introduction of a class. And so once again, the class is in Christ, and this is uh, new creation realities, and our class title is in Christ. And, <clears throat> excuse me, what I'm titling this, this first class is A Greater Reality. And you're thinking, okay, uh, what is he talking about? What does he mean? Well, basically this. A greater reality or the greater reality. Saying the same thing, a greater reality or the greater reality. And I'll just actually just put that as the. I like that better, the greater reality. And what I mean by that is basically this. What is not seen with our natural eye is the greater reality, all right? And I'm specifically speaking of Christ himself, not things, plural. No, I'm speaking of Christ himself. In contrast to everything that we see with our natural eyes, that we hear with our natural ears, that we can... Uh, learn with our natural senses, uh, sight, hearing, uh, touch, smell, tasting, okay? The greater reality who is Christ himself. Now, what is not seen with the natural eye or by the natural eye is more stable and sure than what is seen with the natural eye. And we I think I think it's in the book of Hebrews where we read this. And and that that is so. What is seen with the natural eye can be shaken, but what cannot be seen with the natural eye is unshaken. Unmovable, steadfast, sure, established. And that of God himself. 
So it's nothing's nothing's changing in that respect. <clears throat> now, now, remember how I mentioned that um, the I think at, in the beginning of the, with the introduction that I wanted I would like for our hearts um, to hear from the Lord that and not so much that the Lord would change something, but that He would direct our hearts unto what he has done. Not that he would do something in in a sense, but that he would direct our hearts to that which he has already done. And I'm speaking right now for those who are of us who are born again, and if you're not born again, you must be born again. Um, but for us who are born again, the eternal change of God came into our soul in the person of Christ Jesus himself. This is the moment of new birth. This is, this change is not I, but Christ. Whether we realize it or not, whether we know it or not, whether we have ever heard of this or not, this is the eternal change that took place in our soul, the moment of new birth. Everything changed, brothers and sisters. Because Christ himself appeared in our soul. All right? As we go on in the Lord, the Lord, God the Father himself, desires to make known his very own Son. So we're actually not learning anything new, quote-unquote, in that sense. We're just learning Christ himself. Who is the new? And, well, I won't, I won't go into it because then it'll just kind of get uh, almost doctrinally go into doctrine stuff. But that's it. It, it. it amounts to knowing a person. And it amounts to knowing the Son of God, Jesus Christ himself. So uh, this, of course, and, and I say this because uh, that's, that this is falling under our, our subtitle, uh, or excuse me, our, the title for the, the theme of this class, In Christ. And see, everything that can be seen with the natural eye is changing. Everything is changing. And, but what is not changing is the eternal reality of God, the heavenly reality the greater reality. And what I mean by the greater reality, once again, the greater reality than what we can see, what we can hear, all with the natural senses. The greater reality than what is known by the natural senses. And see, we, we look around. I mean, I look at this chalkboard behind me. There's a wall behind me. And we, we can say, oh, that's real. That's pretty solid. Brothers and sisters, it's not solid. It's it's not solid. There is something more solid than the houses we live in, than the buildings we work at. There is something more stable, more sure, more secure, immovable than what we see with our natural eyes. This is the greater reality who is Christ himself. Jesus is not changing. No. No. He is He is the foundation of everything of God. 
He is that very foundation. So this, of course, uh, requires a miracle of God to, to, to bring our hearts from, from what we consider to be reality, what we consider to be I'll just, I'll just give some examples. What we consider to be our life, what we consider to be our identity, what we consider to be our place of abode, what we consider to be, I'm trying to think of, of an example, and it's, I, I, can't, I can't think of it. But to come from one to the other to come, I'll say it this way, yes, to come from the what is seen by the natural eye to the unseen requires a miracle of God. Always requires a miracle of God. And I'm not, my goal isn't any, what I call the automatics, that's not the goal, no. To me, that's not the goal. Uh, but to behold the greater reality who is Christ himself. To behold our salvation. To behold our life. To behold our peace. To behold our righteousness. And see... The Lord who is our salvation, our salvation is not wavering because our salvation is a person who does not waver. He neither sleeps nor slumbers. To behold our life, who is Christ, who Christ is. The Apostle Paul said this, when Christ who is our life shall appear. To behold our life that does not change. To behold Christ who is made unto us righteousness, wisdom, righteousness, sanctification. So then, listen, our righteousness doesn't change because our righteousness is what we, is not, is not what we believe to be our life, but our righteousness is Christ himself whom God knows is our life. Okay, so the Lord, Christ himself, Jesus Christ, he's not changing. Uh, I think it's in Hebrews, and forgive me if, if it's not Hebrews, but Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. He doesn't change. Our life, the life of those who are born again, the life of the church does not change because our life is Christ himself. Now, what should change is what our hearts, how shall I say it, what our hearts are believing to be our life. And that's not a good way of saying it. I know there's a better way of saying it. Uh, I can believe what I see in the natural mirror to be my life versus I can see not with my natural eye, but with the eye of the heart, the eye of the soul, listen to this, the eye of faith. 
I can behold him who truly is the life of the church, the life of his body, the life of every single born again believer. And that's the difference, coming from one to the other. And this requires a miracle of God. Even to have that desire requires a miracle of God. So, uh, <clears throat> once again, just even with uh, things that I'm sharing, present it to the Holy Spirit that God would accomplish in our hearts during these classes what He desires to accomplish. All right? So, with God, reality does not change. With God, God the Father, Christ His Son does not change. Now, we can think uh, from one day to another, uh, we can think that our life goes like this, but see, this is not our life. That's what we believe, that's what we think to be is our life. But God the Father knows Christ the Son, who is the life of the born-again believer. Does not change. God the Father knows the truth. All right? Now, in our heart, we may think that it changes, but it does not. It does not change. So we can, I'll just give an example. We can be having a quote-unquote good day and be what we call full of encouragement and thankfulness to the Lord, and then we can be having a not-so-good day and kind of, I'll just use vernacular, bummed uh, and really praying, crying out to the Lord as though something has changed. But nothing's changed. Nothing has changed at all in regard to the truth, in regard to reality, the greater reality who Christ himself is. Nothing has changed. And I'm thinking about the Apostle Paul in prison. This is, I mean, this guy, the one who wrote, for in him we live and move and have our being, or the one who was quoted saying, for in him we live and move and have our being. This is the very same one who was rejected by his own people, by his own nation. This is the one who was stoned by his own people, his own nation. This is the one who was put in jail by his own people, his own nation. And yet, he not only declared, for in him we live and move and have our being, but he himself, by a miracle of God, was, listen, living, moving, and having his being in Christ. His soul was abiding where God had permanently, eternally fixed his soul in reality the moment of new birth. And therefore, whether the Apostle Paul is in prison or out of prison, his life does not change. His life remains steadfast. And he continues in the truth, walking in the land of the living regardless of what is happening in the natural, okay? 
All right, so <clears throat> just going on with just a couple of verses here. I was thinking about uh, Peter and the disciples. Well, I, don't, I know I've got Peter marked down, but basically the disciples, I want to go ahead and read a passage. This is Matthew chapter 8, verses beginning with verse 23 through 27. Now, when Jesus got into a boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea so that the boat was covered with the waves, but Jesus was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him, woke him up, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. Now, uh, I haven't studied this verse out in verse 25 where it says we are perishing, whether they meant we, the disciples, are perishing or we, all of us in the boat, are perishing. Uh, I haven't studied it out. But one thing I do know is that uh, Peter, James, John, and I'm not sure if there were any other disciples uh, there, like I said, I hadn't searched it out yet. They were fishermen. They were fishermen. Uh, that was their business. That was their trade. They're, 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 they're fishermen. You could say they're sailors. They, they had their, they made their, uh, their occupation on the water. So when they say we are perishing, they are being as accurate as they can possibly be. They're not lying to the Lord according to their understanding, according to what they know by the knowledge of man, according to what they understand by the knowledge of man, they are perishing and they are accurate. Remember, this was their trade. This is what they did. They were, they were fishermen. They, they were sailors. They would go out and they would catch fish into the sea and then come back. All right. Verse 26, but Jesus said to them, why are you so fearful, O you of little faith? And that's where the Lord brings the issue in, faith. And not, and well, let me go ahead and finish reading. Then Jesus arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, who can this be that even the winds and, and uh, the sea obey him? So, uh, we also find the passage in the Gospel of Mark, chapter uh, 4, verse, let's look at 35. Nope. <laughs> That's because I went to the wrong Gospel. Yeah, here it is. Mark, chapter 4, verse 35. On the same day... When evening had come, uh, Jesus said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. Okay, so in, in Matthew, uh, they're saying, Save us, for we are perishing. And... I mean, here's some evidence of that. Here is some natural evidence of that. The waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling with water. But he was asleep in the stern, or, but he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? 
Do you not care about this situation in which we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now, where the faith comes in is not faith as in one of the disciples getting up and rebuking the wind and the seas. No. No, that's not faith. Faith is seeing him who is unseen with a natural eye. Faith is seeing what cannot be seen with the natural eye. Faith is seeing the substance who is Christ himself. Now I'm thinking of a song, and for those of you who who were born again from a very early age, you're going to know this song. I think I even sung it even before I was born again. But we all know the song. He's got the whole world in his hands. See, but we don't believe that. We'll sing it. We love to sing it. But we don't believe that. Because how do we believe it? Or, or I mean, the song, the song goes on. He's got me and you, brother, in his hands. He's got, you know, the whole, he's got, he's got us all, he, brothers and sisters. He has his body. We are safe and secure in such in such a one that is more secure and more safe for those of us who live in the in the US than Fort Knox. An impenetrable fortress, a mighty fortress, I think David called him. A mighty fortress is our God. Now this is the truth. This is reality. Had the disciples known whom was in the boat, they would not have feared. Because that's what, why are you so fearful? Their response was probably because of what we see because of what's going on, because our world, our lives are being shaken. And yet there is a greater reality who is present and they knew him not. Now that's during the time when Jesus walked, you know, among them, among, among them, disciples in one place, Jesus in the other. We all know it after the death, burial, resurrection, now the disciples are born again. Jesus is not among them. He is in them. That very, that very stable, secure, steadfast one is now in them. And brothers and sisters, he is, for us who are born again, in us. Just as stable, just as secure, just as immovable, and we are in him. So here the disciples, uh, once again, why are you so fearful? Fearful because they were looking at what they considered to be reality. Yes, it was real. Yes, they, we are sailors, we are fishermen, 
there is water coming into the boat. The waves are high enough to come into the boat. The boat is filling with water. What is happening is real. And yet, Christ Himself is the greater reality. And that's why Jesus is asleep. He is at at peace. He's at rest. So, faith once again is seeing the unseen, seeing the greater reality who is Christ Himself. And nothing changes and nothing needs to change. Had the disciples recognized who was present, then they would have probably sat back, reclined, and just kind of kept their eyes on Jesus, kept their eyes on Him, regardless of what was happening. Because, well, I won't go any further with that, but there's there's a major difference in our hearts. And it's in our hearts, brothers and sisters, it's in our hearts whether our hearts are submitted unto, listen to the way I say this, the knowledge of man, like the disciples right there, we're submitted unto the knowledge of man, what can be seen and known by the natural senses, calling that real, calling that reality. I mean, it is real. I mean, listen to this. That's solid wood. And yet there is something more solid than that. Versus the greater reality. Our hearts submitted unto the greater reality. Our hearts submitted unto the knowledge of God, which knowledge is Christ his Son. Safe and secure. And see, this is where our souls are eternally secured in Christ himself. Once again, the name of the class, In Christ that our hearts may now begin, continue to abide wherein our souls are eternally secured by God in Christ Himself. It'll make a world of difference. Uh, Let's see. Another example, and uh, once again, it's not, and uh, you'll, you'll read, I mean, we, we can read this, but I'll, I'll, I'll just kind of paraphrase it, but it's not about seeing things. It's not about seeing, quote-unquote, spiritual things. No, it's about seeing Christ himself. This is everything of God is directing our heart, ushering our heart unto Christ himself. Everything of God everything. If it's a miracle, sign, wonder, vision, whatever, it's directing our heart unto Christ himself. It's purposed and designed of God to do that very thing. Direct our heart unto Christ himself. Right? Just the other example is in 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 8 through 23, uh, mainly verses 15 through 17. Basically, it's Elisha and his servant and the, Elisha and his servant, they're, they're surrounded, uh, in this passage, they're surrounded by an army, by a threatening army. And, well, let me just go ahead and read it. Uh, let's see, Second Kings. 
2 Kings chapter 6. I'll just start with verse 15. Basically what was going on, uh, some kings were trying to invade Israel and Elisha was basically declaring <laughs> to the king of Israel, uh, I think it was Israel, uh, to the king of the people of God to say, hey, do this, do this. And so the plans of, of the enemy king were being thwarted by the Lord. And so the enemy king gets mad and says, okay, what's happening here? What's going on? And then someone says, well, hey, this is what's going on. Elisha's telling the king, you're mine. You know, he's just, he's just, you know, like a little person who's standing in the corner listening to everything you say, king. So we need to get him. And so that's what the king says. He says, okay, go get him. Go get him. You know, because uh, he's thwarting all the enemy's king's plans. All right. So starting with verse 15. And when the servant of the man of God, the servant of Elisha, arose early, well, let me... Let's see. I'll just start with verse 11. Give us a little bit more context. Therefore, the, the heart of the king of Syria, that's it, the enemy at the time, king of Syria, was greatly troubled by this thing. And he called his servants and said to him, said to them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? Who's the traitor here? Uh, verse 12, And one of his servants says, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. It, we all know, brothers and sisters, it wasn't Elisha. It was the Lord. All right. So he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and get him. And it was told him, saying, Surely he is in Dothan. Or Dothan. Therefore he sent horses, chariots, a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. So many horses... So many chariots, such a great army that they literally surrounded this city all around. Verse 15, and when the servant of Elisha, the man of God, arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, alas, my master, what shall we do? His servant assessed the situation. It was a it was a it was a true assessment by the natural understanding, by the natural eye. It's like we are surrounded by the enemy. What are we gonna do now? Verse, but alas, the way he starts it off. You're like, oh no, my master, what are we going to do? We're doomed. Verse 16, so he answered, do not fear. Do not fear. See, the servant, just as the disciples in the boat with Jesus, they assessed the situation. But we know that they made a judgment, an assessment of the situation and listen, 
it was unrighteous. It was not a righteous judgment. It was not a righteous assessment. Because once again, there is the greater reality who is Christ himself. And this is the difference, brothers and sisters, for us who are born again. We're not just bumping around like a, like a pinball in a pinball machine in this world. No, no. There is a greater reality, the greater reality, who is Christ himself that we may or may not be aware of. And what I mean by that is when God himself makes him who is present, Christ himself who is present, known. So he answered, do not fear. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now, once again, brothers and sisters, this is not about seeing, quote unquote, things, plural, because this is Elisha, the prophet, the very exact same one who said, the Lord of hosts liveth before whom I stand, before whose face I remain. This is the greater reality that the heart of Elisha was submitted unto, the greater reality, who is Christ himself. His servant, on the other hand, his attendant, his heart was submitted unto the knowledge of man. Therefore, he was fearful. Okay. Now, once again, brothers and sisters, this requires a miracle of God. We cannot begin to say, okay, I've read the story. I understand the story. Now, I'm not going to be fearful. I'm not going to go by what I see in the natural. No, no. It requires a miracle of God. Let's go on reading the verse. Verse 17, And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Because Elisha's eyes were opened and Elisha's eyes saw the greater reality that were not angels, but the greater reality who is the Lord, Christ Jesus himself. The Lord of hosts liveth before whom I stand, before whose face I remain. The greater reality, brothers and sisters, the greater reality. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man. See, it doesn't say that Elisha opened the eyes of the young man. No. The Lord opened a miracle. Once again, this is, it requires a miracle of God coming from, from our heart being submitted unto the reality of man to our heart being submitted unto the greater reality who Christ himself is. This requires a miracle of God. It's not reading and, and studying and learning and, and uh, trying to apply. No, no, no. We, we just go through, through hoops like a little hamster in a hamster wheel doing that. We'll exhaust ourselves. No. Elisha made it really simple. He prayed to the Lord. Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Because Elisha knew that it requires a miracle of God. Elisha knew that it is a hard thing 
for man to try to accomplish. Remember? Earlier, Elijah and Elisha. Elijah asks Elisha, ask of me, what, 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 what do you want from me before I leave you? A double portion of your spirit. What's the response of Elijah? You've asked a hard thing. I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that for you. But what does Elijah tell Elisha? But if you see me when I'm taken up, if you basically, if you see the resurrection, it'll be so. Elisha knows what is needed requires a miracle of God. Listen, not for God to change the situation, but for God to direct the heart unto the greater, the greater reality, who is Christ himself. So here we have it. Then the Lord opened his eyes and the young man of the young man, and he saw. And it goes on. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire around Elisha. But the confidence of Elisha, brothers and sisters, was not with horses and chariots of fire around him. No. This is the very same one who declares, The Lord of hosts liveth before whom I stand, before whose face I remain. The confidence of Elisha is the Lord himself our strong tower, our rock of defense, he himself. So Elisha lived, moved, and had his being right here in testimony in the Lord himself. So when the Syrians, uh, then, it, then it goes on all around Elisha, then it goes on and it, it, it it goes on till verse 23, but I won't read the rest. Basically, uh, Elisha says, Lord, you know, give him blindness. He, he take, take, takes him to the king of Israel. And then the king of Israel says, what do I do with these? You know, should I kill them? And Elisha's like, you can't, don't kill them. It's like you took them captive. They're captives. No, feed them. Feed them. You know, and so they, they, they eat, they, they drink wine, I think. And then he lets them go. And I, I love this. I, I just love this. Uh, verse 22 and verse 23. But Elisha answered, You shall not kill them. Would you kill those whom you have taken captive with your sword and with your bow? Set food and water. Oh, excuse me, it's water. Uh, food and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. Verse 23. Then he prepared a great feast for them. And after they ate and drank, he sent them away and they went to their master. Now listen to this last statement. So the bands of the Syrian raiders came no more into the land of Israel. Now, in reading the whole passage, that's what we want. Oh, I don't want, I don't want this to bother me anymore. I don't want this to... No. That's what was in the heart, you could say, of Elisha's servant. I don't want to be moved by these things. I don't want to be moved by these things. No, 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 no. No, see, that's, that's, that's like going to the Lord. Lord, do this so I won't be moved by these things. The wrong, that's the wrong goal. 
in a sense. Your heart, your heart, your treasure is somehow on the earth and your treasure is being rocked and moved. It's being shaken, all right? But that's not it. No, with Elisha, open his eyes that he may see. And once again, this very one is the one who says, the Lord liveth. The Lord of hosts liveth before whom I stand, before whose face I remain and continue. Nothing changed. There was still an army. Sends the army back. Whether they come again or not, nothing changes. And we are aware that nothing changes if our hearts are turned to the greater reality who is Christ himself. So, uh, that's always, that's always the greater brothers and sisters. And I remember um, reading a book by T. Austin Sparks and I can't remember, forgive me, I can't remember which book it was. But he says, he makes this statement, deliverance without deliverance. It's where our hearts are delivered, not necessarily from, but our hearts are delivered unto the greater reality, who is Christ himself. It is, it is our hearts beginning, continuing to abide wherein our souls are firmly established of God himself in Christ Jesus, what God has done. So uh, that's just an introduction for this class in this series in Christ. And I won't even, I won't even touch on the, uh, well, yeah, basically I'll say it. <laughs> in Christ, uh, these are basically just some, some Greek terms, some Greek words. Uh, but we're basically going to be looking at some verses out of um, where we find the word in Christ, in, in me, in him, and in whom. We're going to be looking at some verses uh, where those original Greek terms are found. So that's all I have as far as an introduction and just like a little... Um, I'm not even sure what to call it but presentation, I guess, of what we'll be discussing and looking at. But once again, I just ask this, if, if the Lord's just put anything on your heart, uh, sparked an interest uh, with anything that's been shared, just jot it down and present it to the Holy Spirit, present it to the Lord himself, that God himself would accomplish in our hearts that which he desires to accomplish during this time. Amen. And so <clears throat> leave it with the Lord because the Lord alone is the one who is able. So with that, I'll leave you and we'll see you in our next class, our next lesson. The Lord bless. Amen.